Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, the book, Suit Up, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 called Heavenly Roles. Uh, We're going to read just verses 2 and 3. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says now, 1 Corinthians 11, 2, I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand, 1 Corinthians 11, 3, that Christ is the head of every man. The man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. Now, since this is difficult and controversial, I just thought I'd read that to you, and we'll skip it. We're going to move into chapter 12 now. I'm just kidding. We're not not going to do that. So we teach verse by verse through the Bible, and as we do, we come to passages that are a little bit more prickly than others, and uh, they're not necessarily politically correct. But they are what they are, and this is the Word of God. And so uh, I want to encourage you to keep your heart and mind open as we go through this particular section. So what you'll notice in verse 3 is that Paul deals with the order of creation as it relates to worship issues by making appeal an appeal to the love relationship and submissive quality of Christ. To God the Father. Now, what we'd like to say from that at the outset is that Christ, being the second person of the Holy Trinity, is equal with the Father. This is what we have taught, the church has taught for a couple millennia. It's, uh, of course, it was debated for a little bit of time, but here's what we have we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus submitted to his Father, and the result of his submission to the Father is frankly your salvation. When he wrestled in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, he was wrestling with his humanity as we all have to do. But he submitted to the Father's plan and he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When Jesus is praying in John 17, I'd like you to turn over there because I think it's a beautiful prayer that relates to what I'm getting at here. John 17, if you turn over there, Jesus' high priestly prayer, it's been called the night before he dies for his bride, the church. He prays these words. John 17, we're going to pick it up in verse 18. Again, he will appeal to the nature of the Godhead. John 17, 18. He says, as you sent me, praying to his Father, into the world, I also have sent them into the world. John 17, 19. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, verse 20, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, So that, notice this, the world may believe that you sent me. 
The unity of the church will be a message to the world. The glory which you have given me, 22, I have given to them. That they may be one just as we are one. That's an amazing statement. Just as we are one, Father and Son, that they may be one. I in them and you in me. That they may be perfected in unity. So that the world may know that you sent me. And love them even as you have loved me. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians. Now, as we study the passage... Paul will say that the head of Christ is God. This is from a commentary by Stephen Ohm. He says, whatever Paul means by the head of a wife is her husband can't be to denigrate, downplay, or threaten her stance as an equal because Christ also has a head. Paul is not saying anything about one's essence. The beauty of this passage here is that he roots this in the Trinitarian order. He is saying that in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equal in being and essence, but they willingly choose to fulfill different functions and roles for the purpose of communicating communal love. The Son, he goes on to say, joyfully chooses to submit himself to the Father. Christianity recognizes the full equality and interdependence of the sexes, as we will see when we study the rest next week. Both were made in the image of God, male and female, Genesis 1.27. Both have God-given roles. Now, I will say this to you. As this passage deals largely with husbands and wives, we want to acknowledge that there are single ladies and women who are widows and widowers in our midst. So sometimes Bible passages will deal with a specific issue but we have to acknowledge that there are wider situations going on here, and men and women are really before us. And I would say to you that as we have order in the home, we have order in the church, and that women are called to submit to elders and pastors who are males for the sake of God's order. Now, what I'm saying to you is not politically correct, and some of the church has basically just decided that they're not going to obey this, or they're going to make a cultural argument. There are many people who accuse the Apostle Paul, our author of 1 Corinthians, and for that matter, two-thirds of the New Testament letters, of being a male chauvinist. In fact, there are people who say there are some areas where Paul wrote about such matters that he frankly just got it wrong. That's their argument. Now, I would like you to turn in light of that to the book of Acts, and I want you to see something about the Apostle Paul. This is Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And uh, let's look at verses 15 and 16. So you got Acts and Romans just before 1 Corinthians. So Ananias is a little bit uh, perplexed why the Lord Jesus would pick Saul, the persecutor of the church. And this is a testimony of God's grace. Acts 9, look at verse 15. And there's a dialogue going on as Ananias questions the Lord's choice. Have you ever done that before? Lord, are you sure? Lord responds, yeah, I'm sure. But the Lord said to him, go, Acts 9.15, for he, Saul, who becomes Paul, is what? He is a chosen instrument of mine. If you have in the NIV, it says he is my chosen instrument to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. 
For I will show him, I will show Saul who becomes Paul how much he must suffer for my namesake. I want you to take special note of Acts 9.15. Paul is Jesus' chosen instrument. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament letters, and he was chosen by Jesus Christ. And I bring this out as you turn back to 1 Corinthians 11 to point out that people will say, well, Paul did not have Jesus' heart in these kinds of matters. Are you sure? Because Jesus said that Paul is my chosen instrument. So sometimes when people want to make these arguments that the Apostle Paul was a male chauvinist or uh, the passage is just simply cultural, there are some cultural elements as we'll go on to talk about head coverings and the possible veil and that kind of thing. But Paul is actually going back to creation order. And he is laying out an argument as to why we worship the way we do, why God has set up things the way that he has. Jesus Christ joyfully submits to his head, and there is an order. Kathy Keller writes, Justice in the end is whatever God decrees. So whether or not you are are able to see justice in divinely created gender roles depends largely on how much you trust, how much trust you have in God's character. If trust must be earned, she says, hasn't God unequivocally earned our trust with the bark on the raw wounds, the thorns pressed into the brow, your name on his cracked lips? If God can be trusted, then gender roles with all of God's gifts to human beings are to be rejoiced in and enjoyed, not endured and resented. Frankly, I think because we're in a fallen world and because we struggle sometimes with being what we should be to one another, we sometimes question maybe the way things are laid out or maybe there's another way to look at this. But I, I want to go back to verse 2. We'll come to verse 3 and we'll spend the bulk of our time there. But I want you to see that Paul starts out with a praise to the Corinthian church. He says, now, 1 Corinthians eleven two. I praise you or I applaud you because you remember me, you remember Paul, in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Now, that seems a remarkable statement about a church that Paul's been correcting for several chapters, Right? But there were people in the Corinthian church that were following Paul's lead. Not everybody was, but there were people who were holding firmly to the teachings that Paul had passed on. When we introduced the book of 1 Corinthians, we mentioned that Paul was in Corinth for 18 months. A year and a half, he had taught the church. He had laid down the foundation. He had passed on some teachings. The New American Standard has them as traditions, But that word simply means to transmit teaching. It's the word paradosis. It means a transmission. Remember in that culture, oral uh, uh, teaching was transmitted to people before a lot of it was written down in the scriptures that we have today. So the church would first learn orally what God had for them. And Paul was passing on things of great importance to the church. These have to do with teachings, NIV. They're not necessarily traditions as we would have a tradition where we do certain things on holidays with our family. 
These are actually teachings that Paul passes on. They are literally precepts to be obeyed and reverenced. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Do you feel equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you find it difficult to defend your Christian faith? The Ministry of Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. You know, the Christian life is a battle. It's not easy to stay on the straight and narrow, to walk the way we're supposed to in the midst of all kinds of temptations of our flesh, the world, the enemy. And so God has given us a provision. Here's the amazing thing. God has given us armor. And it is because he loves us and wants to protect us. Armor is for protection. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. There were people who were holding firmly to the teachings that Paul had passed on. When we introduced the book of 1 Corinthians, we mentioned that Paul was in Corinth for 18 months. A year and a half, he had taught the church. He had laid down the foundation. He had passed on some teachings. The New American Standard has them as traditions, but that word is simply means to transmit teaching. It's the word paradosis. It means a transmission. Remember in that culture, oral uh, tra- uh, teaching was transmitted to people before a lot of it was written down in the scriptures that we have today. So the church would first learn orally what God had for them. And Paul was passing on things of great importance to the church. These have to do with teachings, NIV. They're not necessarily traditions as we would have a tradition where we do certain things on holidays with our family. These are actually teachings that Paul passes on. They are literally precepts to be obeyed and reverenced. What are some of the precepts that Paul passed along? Skip down to verse 23 of chapter 11. In technical transmission language, Paul says, I received from the Lord, 11.23, that which I also delivered to you. I received it, and I gave it to you, the church, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. One of the transmissions, one of the teachings that Paul passed along to the church was about the Lord's Supper, was about communion. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. 
This I received and delivered is also mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 15. I delivered it, I received it, and it has to do with the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, 15, 4, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. I want you to see that these are no light teachings that Paul transmitted by way of, we could say in quotes, traditions. He transmitted essential teaching back to 1 Corinthians 11 about the Lord's Supper and about the nature of the gospel. These are important things. And I want to say to you and to me that these are things that we've been entrusted with as the church of our time. And we are supposed to pass them on to the people, the flock of God, and the future generations to come. And we are to show fidelity, faithfulness to those doctrines. I believe that one day I'm going to answer to God for how faithful I was to the things that he called were the most important. Amen? I believe that it is incumbent upon pastors and parents and those who are the elders of our community, male and female, to make sure that we are passing along biblical truth and modeling biblical truth to generations to come. A parallel to that is mentioned in Psalm 78, where the fathers of Israel were called to pass along truth. Deuteronomy 6 says, share it when you walk by the way. Put it on the doorpost. You know, it should be everywhere in front of the people that we are raising, the children and grandchildren to come. This is what Paul passed on. And before he lays out a warning to the church, he says, look, you guys have been faithful to what I handed down to you. Now, some people believe that this is just a rhetorical device that Paul is using just to set them up for the warning. I don't think so. I think that this is genuine. I think that there were people in the Corinthian church that were genuinely trying And I think that whenever someone is doing well in an area of their Christian life, we should be careful to encourage them. Amen? (laughs) We have enough people bagging on us, right? And I know we get tired sometimes of feeling beat up in areas where, you know, look, we're, we're genuinely struggling. I think we can learn something from the Apostle Paul that if you see a younger Christian who has taken a good step in the right direction and overcome something or align their life more to biblical truth, that you would applaud that. That you would say to them, good job. Hey, I know you're struggling with some things, but good job that you have aligned your life to the Bible here. And I will say to you, for some of you that are new to the Bible, some of these things hit you and you're like, I don't know. I remember when my wife and I were new Christians, we would hear some preaching on the radio And some of it would ruffle the feathers. And that's because all we knew were the arguments of the world. All we knew were the ways of the world. And sometimes when we heard biblical truth, it was like, man, it was like getting smacked in the face. But then you have to wrestle with whether or not biblical truth is biblical truth. Amen? You have to wrestle with whether or not you're going to obey the Bible despite what the culture says. You have to ask the question, if you will say, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Despite 
what the culture is doing, despite if a lot of Israel was going after other gods, which indeed was happening in Joshua's time. Joshua was charged to be courageous and to hold to the truth, to meditate on the word of God. And so these uh, traditions or teachings, NIV, would be in Paul's letters. In fact, in 2 Peter 3, I think it's verse 16, Peter calls Paul's writings scripture. So you could put it this way. These are transmitted precepts of apostolic doctrine to the Corinthian church that many were holding and doing well to hold to. That's the applause. That's the good job. Here's the warning. Verse 3. This is why we're only doing two verses this morning. But I want you to understand, 1 Corinthians 11.3, I want you to know, New King James, I want you to realize, NIV, that Christ is the head of every man. Now, for those of you who have studied the word head and ever done an exhaustive study on it, is the Greek word kephale. If you want the spelling, it's K-E-P-H-A-L-E. Volumes have been written on the Greek word kephale. Wayne Grudem has done an exhaustive study on this particular word. And he has, um, this is what one writer says, Grudem employs the thesaurus lingua graciae to examine 2,336 instances of the use of this word from the 8th century B.C., to the 4th century A.D. Now, how many of you want to study that? Now, this is where you say, Pastor Michael, thank you for doing some of this reading. Tell us what you think about the word. (laughs) All right? Here's, Here's basically what's going on. The word head, in many of these ancient usages, means just that. It means your head on your body. That's pretty plain. But then the debate comes down to whether or not the word for head either means uh, the head of something like preeminence or even rule, or whether it means source. You're listening to Heavenly Rolls, part one on Walk in Truth. Hey, I'd like to tell you about Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. I'm sure you'd agree that there's many ways you can be tempted to do something you'd rather not do. Well, each piece of the armor of God exposes the typical ways that we're tempted and helps guard against them. Armor is for one thing, protection. And it's called the armor of God because it's everything God is and provides for the believer. The one who wants to protect us is our Heavenly Father. And each piece God graciously provides reveals the nature and methods of attack. God is showing us the face of the enemy reflected in the pieces of his armor. This book will help you suit up, fight temptation, and stand strong in your spiritual life. This is the last week you can get your copy of the book as a thank you when you give a financial donation of $5 or more supporting our radio and podcast ministry. Please give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Again, give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Thank you so much for your gift, and we pray the book blesses you. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final thought. 
Well, sometimes when we talk about roles in marriage and roles for male and female, sometimes people wonder, is this simply a cultural situation? And the answer is yes and no. There is a cultural situation, which we explain in the message in which Paul is explaining, and you got to understand some of the culture, but there are some orders of creation stuff in this message that are timeless because God set up male and female for a purpose. And he set up roles in marriage for a purpose in the family and in the church. And that's what we cannot ignore. So stay tuned. Maybe this is a little different from what you're used to hearing, but stay tuned because I think when we, I know when we do it God's way, it's always the best way, even if it's different from what the culture may be saying. Well, do you work weekends? Maybe it's hard for you to go to a church service on a Sunday on the traditional times that churches meet. Well, how about a Wednesday night? We have a Wednesday night service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. It's a more intimate setting than our normal Sunday uh, morning services. And we're going through the incredible book of Job, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. at Living Truth, 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Child care is provided, and there's actually a youth group going on for junior high and senior high that runs concurrent with this particular worship service. So if you have a teenager or a child or both, you'd like them to get some spiritual encouragement and growth, and you can come and go through the book of Job with us, well, that's a win-win. Download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store today. Look for the red logo with the pillars. You can access all of our teaching. You can find out about all the events, and you can get information and directions on all our service times, including Wednesday night. Download the app today, and we'll see you soon at one of the services. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for Heavenly Roles Part 2, Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. And remember, our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.